For years after it happened, I had lingering odd feelings, uh, a strange aura, a different mood uh, surrounding February the 5th. I experienced odd mood adjustments, not swings, but adjustments prior to the day and then more noticeably on the day. February 5th was the day I could have, should have, died. In case, you're not, uh, in case you are unsure, I did not die that day. Even if I should have, that was the evening when a transport truck drove over the Toyota Tercel that I was driving. It drove partway over and then jackknifed intentionally to spit the car out and send it sliding, not spinning, not rolling, spinning down Ring Road in Regina, Saskatchewan. It took me quite some time to recover from that night, uh, longer than I thought, as the weird moods kept coming for years. The day you were supposed to die, that seems like a date that one should remember. My still living day has never really been a celebration, but it has been a reminder. Um, repeatedly, what are you still here for? Why have you been spared? What significance does your life have waiting to be revealed? And so February 5th lives as a day that I remember. It is a landmark for me, one that I share with God. He chose me. He spared me. He uses me. So I say, what's next, God? What am I still here for? And, and I guess that you are part of that answer. I am here for you. I'm here to be a witness and to share my life and my insights with you. Landmarks are not only moments where we celebrate um, significant achievements in our lives. Landmarks may also be key moments and, uh, that, that, that have more to do with from this day forward. It's not the event in and of itself that's significant. It's the response to it. After February 5th, there were many decisions to make. Some were harder than others. Things that needed to be abandoned. There were paths that needed to be picked up and followed. Life could never be the same again. Should have been dead, but spared. And now because of that opportunity, I choose. I will follow. I will sacrifice. I will dedicate. I will release. I will be satisfied without. I will find my hope in a God who everyone, who not everyone believes in, not everyone agrees with. You might not see it the way that I see it. You might not agree with me, but as for me, as for me, I will follow the, the path that God lays out before me. I will submit, I will serve, I will give, I will continue to point to my God who saved me at least twice. Eyes up. We are never alone. And that never alone part is what is pulling us together. That's part of what is drawing us into one. This is the final episode in our, our landmark series, the series that we have been focusing on uh, marking and remembering significant moments on, on our journeys, embracing the fact that these moments, these landmarks are uh, more significant when we celebrate them together. They are not just personal moments. They are personal, but they're not just 
personal, but they are shared moments in human experience that we use to grow closer to God and closer to each other. That was episode one, the we story. Then it was uh, all about communion, and then it was baptism, and then it was marriage, and then it was child dedication, and now this one, today. Today is episode six, the most out-of-the-box, non-standard, non-officially sanctioned, perhaps into one only, landmark, the heartbreak survivor. I think this one um, might be the most applied and least cerebral, all of them. Don't just think about it. Do it. Heartbreak survivor. Landmark number two. We were still meeting at 19 on the park. We had a whole bunch of people who were visiting us from one of the churches that was looking to partner with us. And it was not a typical service. We had this section um, where we dedicated to sharing glimpses into the life of one of our members. We told a bit of his story the heartbreak, and it had hit a a low point about a year previously. And then we celebrated the choices that he had made, the choices that he was making, the hard things that he had committed to doing. And we told the truth about the pain of divorce, the separation of the family, the relocation of a child to another country, and we ached in the pain together. But we pointed to the good that was being chosen repeatedly. We highlighted the faithfulness to God that was being displayed in the midst of anguish. We spoke of the number of times these decisions had been made over the last um, couple of months and certainly for more than a year. And then we awarded him our recognition and a certificate. And the certificate was to say, we know. We watched, and you are doing a great job, and we hold you in high regard. Still so very proud of you, Matt. And then the steering committee uh, gathered around him as representatives of the congregation. The the congregation also gathered around him, and we prayed um, our thanks to God for the gift of this man to us, the gift of God's ongoing faithfulness to him in the midst of darkness and pain, and then we committed to stand together and and walk this path together, to be on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ together. And there were some tears, probably mostly mine, and we declared good things together, and we placed our eyes upon Jesus, and it was good After the service ended, we were set up to have lunch with this uh, visiting church group, and that was an interesting meal. Uh, They were shocked by what we had just done. They said that they have never seen anything like this in their their lives. They said, we would never talk about divorce in our church, in their church. And then they were pleasantly surprised that you could do that. This is so much better than not mentioning it and just, you know, kind of not making eye contact surrounding it. They understood. They got it. And so did we. And we're still new to it, honestly. And and that that is just one example. There have been a, a bunch. But that one day we celebrated a heartbreak survivor, and we claimed that as an into one landmark. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
in this world, (laughs) you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And the, the, these things that Jesus had just finished telling him about were horrible things, bad things happening. He didn't tell them how everybody would, would, from now on, it would just go nice and easy for the million. Don't worry about pain and loss and suffering. Just follow me and it all goes away. Jesus never said that. He never implied that. There was no secret code that you could work to solve to figure out a way that makes him say that. That was never the answer. The most clear thing that we have been given is the example of Jesus. The best person who ever lived had the worst thing that could ever happen happen to him. What we know about this world is in the midst of that promise from Jesus' own lips. In this world, you will have trouble. What we do with that, what we do in the midst of that, also comes from the lips of Jesus himself. In his prescription for dealing with this and bringing the kingdom of God into visible existence, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The ending is one you can trust. The ending provides the hope that empowers the living in the midst of trouble right now. So frequently, uh, those who do not trust God uh, use the problem of pain as the, uh, the reason that says God does not exist. How can there be an all-powerful, all-loving God when all these atrocities happen? You know what? I would never be a God like that. This is not a good God, or it's not an all-powerful God, one way or the other, either way. It's not a God to follow. And when they make these statements, they're, uh, they're, they're treated like they're ironclad, that they're irrefutable true statements. Boom! Let's see you get out of that, God. And our God says, get out of it? No, I'm not trying to get out of that. That's why I got into it instead. That's why I came to earth. He knows the problem of pain. He knows bad things do happen to everyone. Bad things happen to good people. We know that. It's a key Christian understanding. No one ever stops to wonder why good things happen to them. No one ever wonders why they are somehow deserving of good things happening to them. Bad things happening to good people is not evidence that God does not exist or that Christianity is invalid. Hope. In the midst of all the hopelessness is the gift of God. When people find that hope, when they grasp onto it, when they hold to it doggedly and they vow to remain true, even in the storms to remain faithful, when it feels that all godlessness All goodness has evaporated. That hope gives life and strength and yes, even light. It releases light to counteract the darkness. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And as we remain Christ-centered, we may remain Spirit-empowered. That empowering by the Spirit enables us to overcome to bear up under, and to come through. 
and, and, and to all of those who have done that, to all of those who are doing that right now. We're in the midst of it for you right now. We recognize you. We celebrate you and we hold you in high regard. That is why we mark not your woundedness. We are all wounded. We mark your overcoming. We celebrate your intentional, positive, next steps. And we celebrate the landmark, the heartbreak survivor. All of us are going to have our hearts broken at some point. I got nothing but bad news today, right? It just seems inevitable. Not all of us choose to allow ourselves to heal and to move on and to continue fighting to bring the kingdom of God into clear view. What does that battle look like? For us, we want clear lines, right? I want to know, am I in or am I out? We want a roadmap, but God hands us a musical score instead. Woody and Koenig Bricker said that. Brian Zahn said, the quest for certitude is not the path that leads to authentic faith. Christian faith is filled with sacred mystery. Christianity is not an explanation. Christianity is a confession. Christianity is Christ coming to life within us. That is pure mystery. When Christ lives, rules, and reigns in us, we see a growth in our kindness. And a part of kindness consists in loving people more than they deserve. When the life of Christ is stifled within us, instead of the growth of kindness, we experience the growth of bitterness. The unhappy brine of disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment, hurt, betrayal, and vulnerability. What does bitterness do? It chains us to the past. It poisons our present and keeps us from what God has for us even in the future. God's Word encourages us to get rid of all anger and bitterness and to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. It's a secret to life. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a prison in the cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Bitterness ensnares you in yesterday, and then anxiety enslaves you to tomorrow, but Jesus gives peace for today. And we celebrate to motivate people not to stay trapped in the cell of bitterness. We fight for the light and for freedom for them, for us, for our community. And so Soren Kierkegaard wrote about this engaging political and religious entanglements that sort of like we are now. What Christianity needs is not the stifling protection of the state. No, it needs fresh air. It needs persecution and the protection of God. Let our eyes return to our Savior, God. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Hard things hurt. Hurt provokes us. That is why we celebrate people overcoming, bearing up under and coming through times of intense hurt. Times like a beloved father dying and, and leaving the family without the glue that had been holding them together. Two mothers dying in one weekend. One family. 
a wife that moves to a different country and encourages the father to just let it all go. A calling and a career path lost, and then the uncertainty of creating a new future. Beloved spouse dying, and then trying to find new life without them. These are stories from within our midst. These are regular, uh, real-life situations, and we need live, we need living nearby examples of someone going on. We, 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 we learn how to go forward and even how not to go forward from each other. That's why we continue to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Not because I'm perfect. Watch as I stumble, but then get back up again. We see so many examples of how to do it wrong. Let's celebrate someone who's going in the right direction and help them succeed. When they do, we all do. And in these times, you will repeatedly be given the opportunity to choose God's way or your way. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, he wrote, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. In my experience, Satan sometimes attacks you as an enemy. Yes, that happens. But more often, he stands beside you as a false friend. Eyes up on Jesus, my friends. Jesus first and everything else after. Jesus is the starting place and he comes before any other reasoning or rationalizations. Your experience of deep personal pain may open the gateway in you for compassion to be your response instead of criticism and judgment and afflicting somebody else. That would be a refining in the fire. Let your compassions grow and your criticisms and your judgments wither. This is the life of Christ growing in you. Please understand your power. We will crush traumatized humans if we place on them the expectation that if they just did faith right, they would instantly be fine. Trouble is everywhere, even for the people of God. What marks us is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Russian novelist, just brilliant thinker, hard name to spell, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he wrote, being satiated depends not at all on how much we eat, but, uh, and it's the same way with happiness. It's, it's the very same. Happiness doesn't depend on how many external blessings we have snatched from life. It depends only on our attitude toward them. So away from bitterness. Lamenting is the spiritually mature response to sadness and sorrow. Our spiritual aliveness is not found in our abilities to somehow suppress our sadness. Our spiritual aliveness is found in our ability to bring it to God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Brothers and sisters, we do, know, do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Heartbreak resurrection. 
It's not the destination, it's the journey. It's not someone else's destination, it's your journey. We don't experience things in the same way. We don't all grieve the same way. Your situation, it is sad. There's no other way about it. It's a horrible, devastating loss. And yet, it is sadly so very, very common in our world. You choose where you put your eyes. You can put them on what you have lost and live miserably. Or you can put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and you can choose to put your eyes on where you need to go and what you need to do to get there. Overcoming, that's what we're doing all the time. It's not easy. It's never, ever easy, but it is beneficial. Overcome, bear up under, and come through. There is no avoiding it, and there is no path without pain, whether we like it or not. The story is the same for everyone and distinctly unique to everyone all at the same time. Our life has pain, just bunches of it. And it is so challenging in the midst of that deep sense maybe of hopelessness that uh, we may begin to just start that grieving process. It, it is and will be overwhelming, but it's deeply, deeply sad. But this is what life looks like in this world for now. Grief makes it hard to hear. Pain is loud and, and pain never feels selfish. Nobody condemns you for um, considering and caring for your thumb right after you hit it with a hammer. It gets more attention at that time. But it's so much harder for pain that's not so obvious to the surrounding world. And that real challenge is to focus all of those years of religiosity into faith. Faith that leads to hope. It doesn't mean that it's not painful, but we are not to mourn like those who have no hope. What, what, is, what does hope look like here? What, what does the resurrection actually say to us when we are weeping at the loss of our beloved? The task of the Christian life is not to compare our suffering to others, to dismiss the suffering of others, or to carry guilt for not suffering like others have. The task of the Christian life, the goal of us at Into One is to join our lives in loving presence to those who have suffered. I have spoke with the tongue of angels, held hands with the devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. You broke the bonds. You loosed the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. All my shame. You know I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And to find what we're looking for, we need to take next steps. You cannot stay where you are. And so we go from bitterness to life. A swelled head. A swelled head. We are all so worried about other people's swelled heads. So worried about somebody else's pride. Never apparently that worried about our own. So worried that we keep things inside, locked up inside us. I don't, I don't want them to know how I really feel. 
Why not? Why don't you want them to know? Why are you hiding it? Why is it such a big secret? What possible good reason could there be for not telling people something that will encourage them and build them up? Why does encouragement feel so expensive to us and make us feel so vulnerable? Is it our pride? There is no doubt in my mind that speaking words of hope and life and kindness can help change the world. And even if it's only the world for one person, is that not enough? Treat people like they matter to you and to God because they do. In a world that is increasingly indifferent, a generous personal approach suddenly makes such a huge huge difference. This is not about something hard happening in your life. That happens to everyone. This is about what you do next. What do you do when your heart breaks? This is about next steps in the right direction. And at Into One, we will cheer for people who are moving in the right direction. Not perfect. Of course not perfect. It's moving in the right direction and after some time has passed. Them's fighting words, all right? Have you ever heard that? Well, today, I want to teach you to fight. I want, I want you to use your words and your actions. I want to inspire you to fight. I want to motivate us together to stand up, to be counted, to be noticed, and to fight, to reveal, to fight for the kingdom of God that we have been taught and trained to fight. Fight for those who have been placed around us by God. Anybody want to fight today? Does anybody want to ever stand up for God today? Come on, let's get fired up. Sure we pray. There's always time to pray, but there is a time to get up off our knees and lean into the lifestyle of battle. We pray as we go, not instead of going. So let's declare our position as for me. I just love the as for me vibes in the scriptures. You can't control what other people do. You can only submit yourself to the Lord and pray for the sanctification to respond like Christ in faithfulness. So let's declare as for me. Psalm 75, 9, as for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. Psalm 55, 16, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Romans 12, 8, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, that's as for me. Live at peace with everyone. Psalm 73, 1, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Two, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. Three, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Habakkuk 3, 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God 
will hear me. John 21, 22, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. As for me, I must follow. Joshua 24, 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Everyone, read this with me. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.10, He died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. 11, therefore... Encourage one another, just as in fact you are doing. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Don't wait for funerals to say good, kind things about people. Say them now. Say them loud. Say them proud. Please take advantage of the resources that we have provided for you. Let them help you. We have created an encouragement card that you can write and you can send to somebody else. We have a support and encouragement page at intoone.ca. Go there, just scroll down, and it's right there waiting for you. Not sure how to connect or what their contact information is? Let the connection part be my problem. Write it, I'll make sure it gets there. Let's just get the connections, the support, flowing. And that's another next step that anyone here can take, regardless of age. If Christ's reign in my heart is limited only to my personal piety, I've missed it. Christ must reign in my life, which transforms not only a person's beliefs, but also public actions. Your actions publicly are leading in a direction. Where are you headed? Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're not done yet. He's not done yet. He's not done with me yet, and he's not done with you yet. Come on, Jesus, carry it on to completion. Stay with me. Keep on working in me. Keep on working in us. Stoke the flames inside us and carry your work to completion in our lives. Every heartbreak survivor landmark is a testament to the ongoing, unending, pervasive, and persuasive reformation of our hearts and lives. Carry it on to completion in our lives, Lord Jesus. Bring strength to our broken hearts. Lord Jesus, we hold you in high regard. Because of your work in us and through us and around us, we are privileged to see your story being written all around us. Thanks for the stories that we have seen, and the stories that we have celebrated in our midst, keep them coming because of your work in their lives 
and in our lives, we have the privilege and the pleasure of honoring different parts of your body, the body of Christ, by reminding them that we hold them in high regard. We are so proud of those in our midst who have committed themselves in the, in, in the face of overwhelming odds to overcoming, to bearing up under, and to coming through. Be faithful to them. Be faithful to us as we continue to, to live in such a way that we reveal the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in this church. Be glorified in the way that we choose to interact with those we know and we don't know. And in this season of frustrations and lineups and traffic and waiting and growing impatience, may we carry with us the kindness that comes from the transforming life of Christ, birthing, shining, budding within us, within me, within the lives of my friends listening, watching with me today. We long for your kingdom to come. Much of the time we wish it would come would have nothing to do with us. But use us to shine the light that pushes the darkness back. This season and next one too. On, on, on Sundays and on Tuesdays and on Fridays and when we're with our family and when we're with our friends and when we're with our uh, co-workers, no matter who we're with, shine through us. Lord Jesus, remind us of what you have overcome and what you will help us to overcome. Transform that which we have seen as only darkness and show us that you can transform it into light itself. You restore everything that you were given permission to restore. So the hurts that are in my life, the hurts that are in my friends' lives here. Lord Jesus, restore, renovate, rework all of them. We carry pain, and for, for many of us, so hard to shake it off. This morning we choose to reveal it to you, to give it to you to ask you to be at work in us and through us. Transform this pain into beauty. Grow in us a heart, a spirit of compassion. Not words only, but deeds, public deeds, where we would live that one commandment you gave, that we would love one another, that we would love our enemies that we would be known for our love everywhere we go. Thank you for your presence with us today, but not just today, tomorrow as well. Looking for you, Jesus. I'm watching for you as you are going to work in my life this week and in the lives of my friends. Thank you for your promise to never leave us, to never forsake us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.